Well, good morning, church. Welcome to everyone here, and good morning to everybody watching online. Uh, like Pastor Dave said, my name is Greg. If you're new to the church, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I know some of you are here because you wanted to hear from Johnny Chang. Uh, you wanted to see him live in person. We tried to get communication out as early as we could this morning. Um, I got a text in the middle of the night. Last night he was here. Um, w wonderful, powerful service. Um, and yet afterward he came down with something he thinks is the flu. Can't even talk. Lost his voice completely. And just apologizes to the church that he can't make it this morning and asked if he could come another Sunday. So if you came here hoping to see him in person, we're sorry he is not here. But the good news is... I'll be available in the lobby if you want to take pictures afterward, okay? So I'll be, I'll be there for you guys. Um, I'll step in. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but here is the good news, that the Lord speaks. His voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks with or without man. Um, he's powerful enough to really minister to our hearts. Even in our weakness, he is strong. His grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen. We're going to experience that in just a bit. Um, if you were here a couple weeks ago... I, I gave a message and I said that if, if you are a Christian, and I know not all of us listening are, or not everybody here is, um, but if you're a Christian and you put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there are three things that you have. You have a story, you have a Savior, and you have the Spirit. You have a story, meaning you, you come from something. You're shaped by some things in your life, some people in your life. Some um, occurrences that happen, you are a product of your past. You, you have a story. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you believe that he died and he rose from the grave, then he is the Savior in your story. He has saved you from your sin. He has saved you from the impact of that sin in your life. And if you have the Savior who has, who has saved you in your story, you also have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And he is in your life to change you. He's making you a new creation in Christ. Um, he's doing many things in our life. And among the many things he's doing is he, he wants to give you power to proclaim the story of your Savior. He wants to be able to work through you to give you the courage and the words to say to make your Savior and your story known. And we realize we need him because it's not always easy, is it? That sometimes, especially in a world we live in where it can be so hostile to, to Christianity or to the God that we believe in through our Bible, it can be really hard to share our faith. And yet the Holy Spirit is going to help us do that. And that's why I was really impressed um, and I was really inspired by this guy named Johnny Chang. Now, many of you guys in the church, you had sent me texts and emails and messages saying, hey, you got to check out this interview. You got to listen to this guy's story. And so I did, and I was really encouraged, really encouraged, because the first video I got was from a YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly. It's a very popular channel, millions of subscribers, and it's not a Christian channel at all. They interview people from crack addicts to corrupt cops, from pimps to prostitutes, and they just tell their story. And so they invited this ex-watching gang member named Johnny Chang to tell his story. And he wasn't even asked to share his faith. Just tell us about your background. And just a few moments into his story, he begins to share how Christ changed his life. And he just goes on and preaches the gospel in just very plain, simple language. 
And then a few weeks after that, I'm starting to see all these other interviews, other platforms, other social media outlets inviting Johnny to come and speak on their platforms. And what blows my mind is so many of these channels, also very popular, were not Christian channels. They weren't Christian platforms, and surely their audience might have had some Christians, but widely non-Christian audience. And yet every single time, he doesn't hold back, and he just gives them Jesus. And what I love about it is he's not bashing them over the head with the Bible. He's not shoving it down their throat. He's not coming with this arrogance or self-righteousness, but very simple, clear, gracious, yet effective language. He's just communicating his story and telling about his Savior. And I see the power of the Spirit working through it. So I'm just going to stop talking. Um, Actually, no, let me talk a little bit more. Let me talk a little bit more. Let me just say this. Um, I know he said in one of his interviews that, you know, a lot of people have been uh, messaging him, requesting him. You know, so many messages that he couldn't even get to all of them. But I said, man, I I, got to get this guy to South Bay Community Church. So I messaged him. I said, I know you're probably never going to see this, but I'd love to have you come to speak to our church family. And within moments, he replied back. He said, I'm there. I'd love to help advance the kingdom as one body. And so praise God he is willing to come um, and share with you guys. So now I'll stop talking and check out what the Lord has done in one person's life. Johnny, welcome uh, to our church, to our home. How you guys doing? I'm thankful to be here. Thank you guys. Man, it's a packed house. Way to make me nervous, right? <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, like, so I was just sharing with our church family that um, if we put our trust in Jesus, we have a story, we have a Savior, and we have the Spirit. And I I know that you, too, have a story, you have a Savior, have a Spirit. So um, not everybody here has heard your story. Not everybody got a chance to listen to the full interview. I think a lot of people are waiting for tonight to hear it. So let's start with that. Let's start with your story. Uh, So tell us a little bit about... Um, how, you know, how you grew up. Tell us a little bit about your background and just what life was like before Christ. So I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, You know, it's predominantly Chinese, Vietnamese, and um, Hispanic. So I grew up alongside a lot of Hispanics. And, you know, that area during my time was very poverty-stricken. There was a lot of gangs, drugs, and violence. And so, you know, as a kid, um, you know, my father was, was, so my parents are born in Korea, but uh, ethnically we're Chinese, right? So we're the Champong Jajangmyeon people, for all the people who know, right? So, um, you know, my, my father was, was an alcoholic. My mother was, was a Buddhist, hardcore Buddhist. And, you know, she would do chants and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, along the lines, I was getting abused as a kid. Um, you know, up until about the age of 12 years old, where I eventually um, left the house and I joined a gang. As you guys know, I'm from the watching. It's a Chinese like triad type of gang. But um, essentially, you know, I was I was bullied as a kid. Um, you know, I was I, I had a lot of trauma uh, in the household. Actually, a lot of Asian Americans kind of understand this and can relate to this. Right. Um, my, my parents never told me I loved you. Um, you know, and, and they were just very, very like dictatorship type of, you know, vibes. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, what, 
you know, you, you said um, early on you got involved with the gang life. What was that like? How did you, you know, get involved in the watching? Uh, it was really crazy because I would see them riding around my neighborhood back in like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And they had the rice rockets. It was like Fast and Furious, but like real life everywhere, right? Yeah. And so um, they would actually hit people up, meaning they would come up to people and ask you where you were from. In my era, everybody, even the math like nerds, dressed like gang members. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. but everybody was a gang member. Or they looked, that was the part, you know? But um, yeah, they hit me up and they asked me where I was from and they were like, you know, um, when I said that I wasn't from anywhere, they were like, do you want to hang out? So little by little, I started to kind of fall into that. And prior to that, I was always fighting as a kid, mm. you know? My mom would call me a troublemaker as a kid. Yeah. I was like five years old, she's like, you're a troublemaker. So I'm like, what do troublemakers have to do? You know, they gotta make some trouble, right? So that, <laughs> that's what I did as a kid, you know? Made a lot of trouble, yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard in some of your interviews, you talked a lot about um, just the way you thought and, you know, um, kind of your worldview and the way you trusted in yourself. Right. You know, tell us a little bit about that way of thinking. And Yeah, so as a kid, I had this very peculiar mindset that if I do everything that I want to do, I'll be happy. And the things that I didn't want to do, I didn't do because I thought it wouldn't make me happy. Sounds, you know, makes sense. So when it came to playing and going out and stuff like that, I would do that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to chores, I wouldn't do them. Mm -hmm. Homework, I wouldn't do it. So, you know, I thought that if I led my own life, that my life would be happy. But sooner or later, you know, I actually ended up going to California Youth Authority at 12 years old. Um, and, and I was caught for a case that was originally a kidnapping slash robbery, right? So I know it's crazy, a 12-year-old kidnapping. So. And, and by this time, you were already in the gang, or? Yes, okay. I was already in the gang. I was initiated in, and we were just doing knucklehead stuff, you know what I mean? And it, everything was off of impulse. Whatever the, you know, whatever we wanted to do that day, whether it was do drugs or ride around stealing cars or robbing people, we did all of that because that's just, we did everything we wanted to do. We all had that same type of impulsive, like, mentality yeah. yeah yeah so um you you got locked up at 12 years old mm -hmm. um and then how long were you in for um i think you came out and then had to go back in tell yeah. us a little bit about that did you get saved in prison or was it afterwards no so i didn't get saved in prison so the first time i got locked up i did four years i had my parole date in two years but I was such a bad kid. I, I fought so much in YA, which is kind of a crazy like juvenile prison, if you will. So I maxed out, which means I did all four years, right? Got out for 67 days, didn't learn my lesson, went back in for a shooting, right? And then this time they gave me 10 years, 85%. So I had to do eight years and some change. Okay, wow, wow. So I've heard a lot of stories of people you know, locked up and, you know, people come, share the gospel. They have like this life-changing experience in prison. Um, was that the case for you? Like, were you exposed to Christianity or, or Jesus in prison? And if so, like, how did you respond? Yeah, it, I did get exposed to, to Jesus um, in prison, mm -hmm. 
but it just wasn't for me at mm. the time. You know, they came and, and it was very condemning. Mm. You know, they would come and say, you know, the reason why you're in here is because you need to repent. You're a sinner. Stop doing this. Stop doing that, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just like, how? Like, mm -hmm. I tried my best to stop doing what I, you know, stop sinning. Yeah. But I'm always finding myself backsliding. And at that time, I didn't know it was backsliding. But yeah. in this repetitive cycle of, like, sin, repent, sin, repent. To, you know, commit a sin and then feel bad. Commit a sin and feel bad. Like, I just kept feeling that. Mm -hmm. And that caused me so much emptiness. So when I spoke to people about that, whether it was Catholic priests or there was Protestants, apostolics, people would visit the prison. Nobody could explain to me clearly why I was feeling so empty inside. Mm. So, you know, I just kind of was put off by that. And then it, it almost seemed like we would argue. You know, I would ask them questions like, okay, let's say I was gonna, if I was about to die, and then I, I forget the sin that I confess. And I remember the pastor was like, um, then you're going to go to hell. And I was like, dang, so that's it. Like, that's, I'm like, man, oh, I, do I, I, yeah, I'll take my chances, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. But it was just bad. It was bad, you know? And, and I think they didn't understand how to explain it to me, you know? But, um, yeah. So um, you had mentioned during your time, um, you had read through the Quran, is that yeah. right? Did, did you also read through the Bible? And, yes. like, what was that like? Were you trying to find something? to belong to or were you just born and so you read it like what was that journey like to be honest you know we have ogs right which is older people in the in the penitentiaries and um they noticed that i was kind of a knucklehead so i was i was an overthinker a lot and they were like you know you should start reading and, and working out so i had the work workout thing down but um my cellmate was actually a, a muslim his name is Wahid, mm -hmm. and he was he was reading the Quran. He was praying five times a day, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Yo, you seem so much peaceful than me. I just wanted that peace." Right. So I read the Quran with him front to back three times. They're hardcore. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, I think that's the most I ever read in my life. You know, <laughs> and I was just like, it was crazy. But you know, w upon reading that again, I had a lot of these questions. You know, and and he couldn't answer them. You know, and then um, I had a cellmate who was Christian, Korean dude, and he was like, you know, Jesus is this and this. And again, I would read it with him, but I couldn't have like any of my questions answered. Mm -hmm. Why I felt this loneliness and emptiness. And I figured, well, I'm in prison, but I remember feeling it outside of prison too. Even though I wasn't in prison, I was like living this up and down lifestyle. When I'm happy, really happy. Sad, I would crash. Happy, sad, happy, sad. And it was just really bad. So they, no one could explain that to me. Yeah. That's interesting. Both inside, outside of prison, we can all find ourselves in that same place. And I'm sure many of us have that story where you feel empty. You feel like you just, you're missing something right. in, in your life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so your entire time locked up, reading the Bible, reading the Quran, talking to people, pastors, ministers, that didn't do it for you. You didn't, you didn't find Christ in prison. No, I didn't. And also there's politics in prison where okay. if you, it's really looked down upon. You know, people are like, oh, you're really weak if you find Jesus in there. Because mm. there's, there's a lot of bravado. You know, yeah. we're men, we got to handle our own business. It's like that type of mentality. Yeah. So if you're going and, you know, laying prostrate and stuff like that in front of God, it's really looked down upon. Okay. So tell us a little bit about um, 
how old were you when you finally came out and what was it like um, re-entering the world again? Like, yeah. Was it a culture shock or? Absolutely. It was a culture shock going in, culture shock coming out. Um, you know, I was 24 years old when I got out and, um, you know, I was locked up since essentially 12 till 24 mm -hmm. and I was just really like empty. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, it almost felt more comfortable to stay in prison the first couple months because at least I had three hots and a cot, right? You know, mm -hmm. three, three meals and, and a bed. So it was really traumatizing for me. And I tried to fly straight. You know, I tried to check the little box that said, have you ever been convicted of a, you know, felonious crime? And every time I checked it, it just, I would write everything down, my court case, my crimes, whatever. And I was shown no love. Nobody wanted to hire a violent person, right? Nice. So um, after that, to be honest, I went back to selling drugs. You know, that was the only thing that I had. So I went and, and I started doing that, but... I was feeling like, because I was on parole, mm -hmm. so if you're doing that, anytime they could bust you and bring you back, you right. know, so I was trying to, I, I just felt that emptiness again. Yeah. Um, tell us about that time. I, I know you mentioned a story about, um, the, you know, you thinking that instead of, um, you know, dealing drugs, it might be better just to rob a drug dealer right yeah that's what was that about that was such a crazy thought right yeah. our thinking is if i rob somebody who's because i'm selling drugs i have to watch watch over my back and i might go to prison but my thinking was if i sell if i rob somebody who sells a lot of drugs they don't have a lot of money right they'll sell all the drugs they do all the hard work and we'll rob them yeah. makes sense right <laughs> makes sense right but actually it was the worst decision. <laughs> you don't go and rob drug dealers. They're always ready. Okay? <laughs> so <clears throat> I ended up, you know, doing that. And um, as a result, you know, all jokes aside, uh, a friend of mine ended up dying um, that day in my arms. You know, every time I think about that, I get emotional. But I'm sorry. But, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, he ended up dying. And, you know, this, what's so sad about it is I actually was a person that planned it and I was the person who I, I stepped to the right of the car. Um, I, I was supposed to go to the right of the car, I'm sorry, but he stepped in front of me. So naturally I went to the left of the car and he got shot. If he didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be here today. I would have been the one that died. Wow. You know? So you? Yeah, I mean, on hindsight, we see, I believe God as with all of us, right? He has a purpose. He has a plan for us. I see God's plan unfolding in your life. Uh, but before we get there, um, tell us now. So that's a little bit about your story. Um, there's a lot more to it, I, I'm sure. But how did you come to the point where you realized, okay, I, I, I really need a savior. You know, I need a savior in my life. You know, so that happened. And then three days later, I got a, a, a letter from my childhood friend this kid was like the happiest kid he taught he was a little older than me mm -hmm. but he taught me how to make french toast like you know it was, <laughs> a, cool. it was a good it's kid a good friend man. yeah, yeah he's, he's a good friend <laughs> and um but he sent me a letter kind of in code it's called a kite okay. from from jail and basically saying that he wanted to end his life 
he felt this emptiness in this void that he couldn't get like overcome he tried his best to be happy to do good to people to love people i mean this guy was really a good dude you know in in, in societal standards but he ended up hanging himself in in jail mm -hmm. he killed himself three days after my friend died in my arms yeah. and then a couple like four or five days after that um there was a freeway shooting mm -hmm. and one of my friends innocent bystander he they noticed the guy who was driving my friend was in sitting shotgun passenger seat they shot him to death so that was within like a week span i could feel death around the corner i experienced three deaths wow. you know and at that point i really thought about it you know i think my time is up um this is how my life is going to end mm. i'm going to struggle in section eight project housing living on like monopoly money food stamps and i went to prison and did all this and I have no purpose, I'm gonna die. Mm -hmm. So death came to my heart, you know, and mm -hmm. there was no denying it. I just knew it was my time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, luckily a few days after that, my mom's car broke down. Mm -hmm. She had like a, what we call a hoopty. It's like, <laughs> old school, right? It's like an old school Corolla. It, <laughs> it was broken down, right? And yeah. it overheated. Yeah. And so much for Toyotas being reliable, right? <laughs> 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 but that was all God, you know, like, so, so she broke down, it broke down and she was about an hour away. Mm -hmm. My brother at the time was also in prison. So I was the only, you know, next up to help her. Mm -hmm. My father was still an alcoholic and all that. So I, I, I drive to San Bernardino, I pick her up and on the way coming back, I know I have to take her to, to church mm -hmm. and I go, mom, no matter what, I'm just going to drop you off. I do not want to hear the pastor because I know they're going to try to evangelize me and this and this and that. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like, she didn't care, you know? <laughs> so we get there, and I smell, like, so the window is rolled down. The pastor comes out. He's like, what's up, Johnny? Thank you for dropping, you know, dropping your mom off. But I smell the black bean noodles, bro. Mm. I smell the... Don't the, even... The right? jajang, yeah, I smell <laughs> the jajangmyeon. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> But I'm trying to keep a gangster, you know? Yeah. Trying, no, I don't care. But in my heart, I really right. wanted it, right? right. So, so I, I get over there, and, and um, he's like, the, the amazing thing about the pastor was he said, hey, Johnny, you know, um, did you eat yet? We got black bean noodles. And I was like, okay, cool. And he goes, I'll package it for you. You could just take it home. And that was kind of like a shock, you know, us being Asian, like we have to, we always respect our elders. Right. If they offer food, you, it's kind of disrespectful not to accept the food that they're, unless it's your friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my mom's always like, if you go somewhere, even if you're starving, do not tell them that, no, do not accept <laughs> the food, you know? Yeah. But when it comes to pastor, I just felt like I needed to at least step inside and show a little bit of respect, you know? So. I went in, and then he started to preach to me, essentially. Oh, he got you. Hey, the black bean noodles got So tell us a little about, so what did, what did he share with you? I mean, was it, um, did he try to evangelize you, or like, how did that go? So he actually asked me two questions, you know. He said, um, do you know what sin is, and are you a sinner? And low-key, I got a little angry about the are you a sinner part. I mm -hmm. feel like that's a loaded question. I'm like, come on, Pastor. Like, <laughs> like yeah, anybody can see that, you know. But um, he wasn't really asking it in, like, a convicting way. It was more like he really wanted to know if I knew what sin was. Mm -hmm. So I said, yeah, you know, sin is when you, you know, fall short and when you do evil things. Mm -hmm. And he goes, 
not so. And that kind of blew my mind. Mm. And I was like, wait, every pastor that I've met, priest, whatever, they explained it that you're falling short, you're messing up, you're missing the mark, and you need to repent from that. You know, that's what sin is. Mm -hmm. But he explained it in John chapter 16, verse 9, mm -hmm. of sin because they believe not unto me, King James Version. So sin is unbelief, mm -hmm. right? And then he explained it very clearly. Like, for example, he said, you know, if God tells you to go to the left, but you're like, no, I don't think so, I'm going to go to the right. From then on, you start to sin because you didn't believe, you don't listen to God. And he kind of put it in perspective. He said, um, sin is believing your thoughts above the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that way you stand in the position of God. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's what I did all my life. Mm -hmm. I was literally like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. God's like, obey your parents. I'm like, my parents, they're not culturally, like, they, they, they're not born here. They don't understand. So I just, like, disregarded everything they said. Mm. So from that unbelief, all of my pain was coming from that. And he was able to put that into perspective. And then he explained it with analogies. You know, he said, um, sin is inherited, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Through one man, sin entered the world. Mm. And death, right? Mm -hmm. And for that, all have sinned. So... Yeah. He's saying that Adam, right, Adam and Eve, he's like, even though you don't believe, Johnny, Adam and Eve, like, it started with Adam and Eve. And when Adam sinned, mm -hmm. he passed it down, right? And then that essentially it's inherited. So he explained it, it like the, the, with, with, my, um, with my race. He's like, you're Chinese, right? Mm -hmm. Did you choose to be Chinese? I was like, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're born that way. Right. Your father was Chinese. His father was Chinese, et cetera, et cetera. Same with sin. Adam sinned. And it passed all the way down to you. Mm. And then he goes, so you're not a sinner because you sin. You're born, you're a sinner. That's why you sin. You're mm. born as a mm. sinner. Mm -hmm. And that really opened up my mind because I'm like, oh, no wonder I couldn't stop. Mm. You know, I couldn't stop sinning. That's like saying, I'm going to, today, I'm going to not be Chinese. Like, I choose not to be Chinese. <laughs> you know? Why would you ever say that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Chinese is awesome. <laughs> exactly. And then he was like, you know, let's say you stop eating chow mein and fried rice. Then are, are you all of a sudden not a sin, like not Chinese? And right. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Right. So he was explaining it to me where no one ever explained it like that to me. So, yeah. yeah. So inherently, we are sinners by very nature. We're, we're born that way. Um, and then that sin comes out in how we live. Right. Amen. Exactly. So... Um, at that moment, was it making sense to you? I mean, were you like, I get it, and so therefore I need a savior? Or what was yeah. the process like from there? Yeah, so I felt this inkling of hope in my heart for the first time. I yeah. never felt hope in my heart. But I felt like he was telling me and breaking it down to me, and he had kind of like the anecdote. So I was really like captivated by him. I was mm -hmm. locked in listening to this pastor. Mm -hmm. And then he explained everything from like, you know, why, like, why I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. You know, he talked about it, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. For the things that I do, I do not want to do, right? For the things that I hate, that I do, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, when I would see my mom and she would be crying, visiting me, and saying, Johnny, please live a better life. You know, live for us. We love you. It would break my heart. Outwardly, I wouldn't. I had to keep it, you know, like like 100. But inside, I was ripping me apart. Mm -hmm. And I would tell my mom, Mom, I promise you, I'm not going to do crazy things like stab people in prison and fight in prison and stuff. But as soon as I got back to the yard, mm 
-hmm. I was doing those things again. Mm -hmm. And I hated myself for that. And I didn't understand why I was like that. You know, and pastor said, Johnny, do you want to be depressed? I'm like, no. Why are you depressed? Do you want to be empty, Johnny? No. Why are you empty? And then he showed me Romans chapter 7, verse 17, mm -hmm. right? Therefore, it is now no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So he explained that the sin is causing you to be this way. And, and you regret these things. Why do you regret these things, he says? You know, let's say we go and we eat steak and lobster. He says, are you going to regret it? Like, of course not, because he wanted to do that, right? right? But let's say you go and you do meth or you do drugs. Why do you regret it afterwards? At first, you're like, yo, let's, let's get high or whatever. But afterwards, on the come down, you're like, man, I, why am I doing this? I need to stop doing this. It's because it's not you who's doing it. Mm. There's something that's dragging you, that's influencing you, and it's yeah. sin. Yeah. And at that point, I was able to see that, oh, that's so true. Mm. Like, I don't want to be sad, but I'm sad. So he explained it like that. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, the pastor is explaining all these things to you. It, it's making sense. And, um, you know, he, I remember in, in the interview that I got to watch, you share this moment where, you know, he asked you to do something pretty crazy. And that, that was, to me, um, unthinkable. Yeah. Um, share a little bit about that and your relationship with, with your father. So after he explained that verse, mm -hmm. He goes, you know, so it's not you who's doing it, right? I said, I agree. And then he goes, how's your relationship with your father? Mm. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, like, I, I don't have a relationship with him. I hate him. Mm. You know, and he goes, okay, that's understandable. And then he's like, you know, so, so would you say that, would you ever talk to him? And I was like, I don't think so. And he goes, you know what, Johnny, like, hear me out. He says, um, but... I would like for you, my hope is for you to apologize to your father. Mm. And I was like, what? You know, yeah. like, wait, wait, wait. I was born. Yeah. I didn't choose to, right? I didn't ask to be born. Right. He had a responsibility to me. He drank, he beat me, he beat my mom, he beat my brother. Mm. Why do I have to say sorry? Right. I told the pastor too. When is it, when does the, the victim apologize to the aggressor? Never. Mm. So it didn't make sense to me. But he put it in perspective again. He said, Johnny, think about it. You're right. And I was like, okay, so why are you telling me to apologize if I'm right? <laughs> you're right. But because you're right, your father's not there for you. You know, you didn't have a good childhood. He was an alcoholic. He beat you. You're also miserable. Mm. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, man, that's facts. You know, like, yeah. I am miserable because I would see other people who have you know, their fathers and they're hugging on them. And I always felt like that envious heart. I always had that rage and anger. Like, why God, why couldn't you give me a father like that? You know, so then he started to explain mm -hmm. in order for, he says, why do two people fight? Right? He goes, because both of the parties think that they're right. Okay. No, I'm right. You're wrong. The other person thinks, no, I'm right. You're wrong. He says, nobody argues like this. I'm more wrong, okay? No one does. <laughs> it's always like, bro, what are you talking about? I'm right, you're wrong, right? right, right. So he says, but that's why there's no peace. And he said, two countries go to war because they believe that they're right and they're fighting. So there's no peace, right? The railroads are broken. The streets are broken. Land, you know, lines, phone lines are down. He says, but when one side surrenders, right? Mm -hmm. One side becomes wrong. The streets start to be rebuilt peace starts to kind of come in. Mm. 
So he says, Johnny, although you're right, I want you to like accept what I'm saying. Don't try to understand. Just accept what I'm telling you. And I believe God will work. So at that time, I know it was crazy, but I was, I was like, okay. I told him, okay. Yeah. That day, I called my dad. I'm from Alhambra, so we went to Noodle City. If you guys yeah. are from Alhambra. Shout out Noodle City. Sixth Street, <laughs> shout out Noodle City. Free advertising. No, I'm just kidding. But, but it, was, it was really good. You know, we, I, I, I call my dad, and he goes, you know, what do you want? That's the first thing he says. What do you want? I was like, Dad, he's like, I don't have any money for you. I was like, I don't need your money. You know, like yeah. I was getting mad. Yeah. But I continuously thought about what pastor told me. Mm-hmm. You know, just be wrong. It's okay. You know, like God will work. So I, I called my dad. I said, Dad, let's meet up. Let's go eat. Uh, I want to talk to you about something. So we, we meet up. <clears throat> and it's awkward. Like all you guys know, right, with Asian parents. And it's just it's, it was super awkward, so I, I'm sitting there, he's looking off to the wall, I'm like looking at chopsticks, kind of, <laughs> I don't know why, you know, yeah. seen these all my life, but you know, <laughs> but um, I look at him and then I go, dad, you know, I'm sorry that I was a bad son, I'm sorry that I went to prison and, and you know, I, I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry that I didn't turn out as a doctor or a lawyer or live that American dream that you wanted. And, um, you know, my dad starts crying, like, uncontrollably. He starts bawling. Mm. And, um, you know, he goes, no, son, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, you know, I was a bad father. I'm sorry that I couldn't control my drinking. I didn't want to hit you guys. I didn't want to hit mom. But it just, you know, something got in me. You know, we hugged it out. And... um, you know, 20 some odd years of hate, resentment, frustration, it was gone. It's paper thin, you know, it was gone. And um, now me and my father have a great relationship. You know, um, I asked him to come out here and he's like, too far. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, you know, like straight up, like on, too Dad. far. But I was like, all right, pops, you know, it's all good. Yeah, you know? yeah, but yeah, it was, it was really good. And what the pastor said was truly true. Like, mm. you know, and, and yeah, he comes to church now and it's, he's wow. saved. I mean, my mom's been saved. My brother's saved. It's truly amazing. I, lo- I love that. Um, you know, you, you've mentioned Romans a lot, but that's a beautiful picture of the gospel, right? In Romans five, it says that while we were, while we were sinners, uh, Christ died for us, right? While we were enemies of God, Right. He, he didn't need to take any action to move toward us, and yet he does. And he takes the punishment, and he dies on the cross when we were the ones who did him wrong. Um, and that's the, that's the grace of Christ. And that's, that's what you got to experience and demonstrate yes. when you felt, man, why should I apologize? I'm the victim. Right. And yet you saw that freedom take place, not just in you being able to go and... and um, uh, initiate that reconciliation, but you saw it now change right. a hard man who's now been changed by, by Christ. Amen. That's amazing. Amen. Praise God for that. That's, yeah. I love that. Um, so that, you know, you shared your story and how you found the Savior through this pastor, which by the way, I, I heard in, in one of the um, videos, I saw that that pastor was speaking in Korean. Yeah. So it was all through a translator. Yes. Yes. So it wasn't. It was the translator that 
that um, yeah. the, the truth of the gospel and right. the truth of God's word was being communicated. So Amen. praise God. Amen. Um, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks in various ways, and he's able to speak to the depths of our hearts. Ultimately, he, you know, as men, you know, our mouth moves, sound comes out, but the Holy Spirit has to do the work. And right. so um, I, I've, I've seen the Holy Spirit use your story and um, your story of the Savior in your life, and now you're, you're just going out there, being used by him. Tell us a little bit about what that's been like now. How is God using your life and your story, and what are some um, ways that you've seen the Holy Spirit move in your life since finding Christ? So I, I'm now going to prisons, like prisons, Lancaster State Prison, CRC Norco, Chino, um, and I'm essentially um, preaching the gospel to them. You know, and it's it's really amazing because I don't go in there and tell them you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. What I do is I talk about, you know, intrusive thoughts, Mm -hmm. kind of like real world analogies. And I kind of break it down. You know, there was a I have Buddhists in my class. I have Muslims in my class. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can't just force it down people's throats right, right. Um, pastor tells me that vegetables are, are, are good for you right um, but and kids kind of understand that too like my son you know and mm-hmm. he goes but what if you start grabbing a spoon and you grab the veggies which are good you start shoving it down his throat that's called child abuse right? Yeah, right. And he's like so but when the kid starts to realize that all oh, veggies are good and it makes me healthy he himself naturally will start to eat Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I speak to these people, like recently, um, there was a, a, a I, I talked about how our thoughts are not our thoughts. Right. And this Buddhist guy gets up and he goes, what are you talking about? And he's like challenging me, you know, mm-hmm. and I said, hear me out. So I kind of explained it, you know, um, when you're laying there at night, you know, usually on your bunk, I was saying, but most people have this where they're laying. I used to lay at be- in bed at night. And I would have these thoughts. It would start with just one small thought. Mm. Oh, I'm lonely. Mm. Oh, I'm nothing. Mm. Oh, I'm sad. Something like that. And it starts to snowball. Goes to, you know, oh, because I'm sad, you know, I'm depressed. No, I don't have friends. Bam, random flashbacks start to come. And, you know, we start to feel shameful and miserable. And then all of a sudden, tears down our eyes, like tears down our face. You know, we're just crying. Nothing has happened. But this mind is racing, right? And I explained to them, he kind of like, he kind of like simmered down after that because he's like, oh, you know, I go through that, right? And I was able to explain, like, let's say these are my legs and I'm walking and I'm walking, let's say I walk past the footlocker. If they're my legs and I'm in control, I should be able to stop, backtrack, and go into the footlocker, right? But if somebody is behind me who's stronger than me or some force is pushing me, even if I want to backtrack, I can't. I'm just getting pushed, right? right? Likewise, if your thoughts are your thoughts, all of your thoughts, when that negative thought comes, when that depressive thought comes, you should be able to say, you know what? I'm done. And right then and there, it should stop because it's your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But when we do that, it continuously pours in. It means it's no longer our thoughts. We're no longer in control. It's the evil spirit that's constantly pouring it into us. And he, he realized that this was the first week, you know, so he's starting to come. He's like, next week, bro, I'm going to be there. Like, wow. I, I don't know about all this Christian stuff, but I do know that 
that emptiness and that void and those thoughts you're talking about, I resonate with that. And I'm yeah. so thankful about that, you know, because, yeah. yeah. you know, so, yeah. That's awesome. So, so I think you were telling me earlier today that you're going to the prisons to do ministry, yeah. usually four days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. What, what are some other opportunities God's allowing you to um, just share what, mm. you know, what's happened in your life and what God's done? Uh, this is another opportunity. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, a lot of people like um, are trying to fly me out and, and kind of have me like either preach a sermon or give mm -hmm. my testimony. And I'm so thankful about that, you yeah. know, because I'm a person who I never thought that I would make it past 20, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. But I'm here, you know, in my 30s now yeah. and, um, you know, preaching the gospel and just giving my testimony. And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So God has been kind of, you know, bringing me around to prisons, not just prisons, but yeah. I might go to Australia to their prisons, wow. which is pretty, you know, I've never been there, you yeah. know, I'm gonna try some kangaroo meat for sure. <laughs> you know, as Asians, we, we you know, we... <laughs> I have a couple more questions and then we'll, um, we'll wrap up our time. Um, but one thing I shared earlier that I was really encouraged by and inspired by is how many people, um, many channels, many platforms are inviting you to just come on and they just want to talk to you. They're, they're intrigued by your story. And a lot of these aren't Christian channels. In fact, they're pretty worldly. They're really worldly channels. Yeah. Yet, Johnny, come, let's talk. Yeah. And what I love is that you just, you don't hold back. You just talk about Jesus. I mean, you just share the gospel, but it's in such a way that all of them want to hear, yeah. right? They're really um, interested and intrigued. And so I, I want to ask for, for, for us, right? Our call, our, our commission from Christ is to go and share with the world um, his love, not just for us, but his love for our loved ones. Amen. Um, what, you know, what gives you that boldness to just share? I mean, because surely persecution is out there. People yeah. are going to hate on you. But what keeps you from not holding back and just sharing your faith? I think, I think the foundation. Mm. I truly believe the word of God when it comes to, you know, Romans chapter 7, where it says it's not them who's doing it. Yeah. So I have enemies, right? Because I was in a gang who, of course, I think about it. Oh, are they going to come and kill me? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. But the amazing thing is through these podcasts... Prior to doing these podcasts, I had that thought, like, if I go up there, people will know who I am. Mm. They'll know where I'm at. They'll probably come and get me. Just because I'm Christian doesn't mean they forgot all the trauma that I caused them and their families right. years ago, right. right? But the amazing thing is I ran into multiple of these enemies, these rival gang members, mm. um, and they showed nothing but respect. Wow. You know, they shook my hand and they said, look, Johnny, although you were on the other side opposing team, we're mere images of each other. Mm -hmm. I also had a father that was empty. So essentially, we're all interconnected through the struggle. We're all interconnected to sin. Yeah. And you know, that always makes me happy inside of my heart. Like, how will I ever, how would I ever like, you know, make peace with other people? It's all God. Mm -hmm. So when I go out there, I'm just a person who plants the seed. Like, I'm just going to speak 
and God is going to reap that. You know, so it doesn't matter if I'm on Just Kidding News. It doesn't matter if I'm with China Mac. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm with non-believers. Right. Uh, first, first Corinthians chapter nine verse twenty-two says, "We are all things to all men, yeah. so that some of so we can save some of them." Yeah. You know, so for me, I just share my story, and I'm not the one saving people. Right. That's God's job. And I really believe that, and that gives me that boldness. Because I'm like, look, even if I don't preach the gospel well, mm -hmm. um, as long as they hear God through it, that's all that matters to me. You know, so I start off with the gang stuff always, but I always lean it into the gospel because that's how God is, right? He, he, it, it says where sin abounds, grace abounds more, right. you know, so... Uh, I'm not saying, you know, sin a lot, right? <laughs> and you'll get, but yeah. what I'm saying is because I was a big sinner, when I heard the word of God that said, Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Yeah. I truly believe that I'm perfected forever. How? How can I say that? Because I did well, because I'm preaching now? No. Mm -hmm. One offering, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not obedient. Jesus is obedient. Therefore, he made us righteous through that obedience. Yeah. And that's true. We, we uh, yeah, praise the Lord. I, I love that. It's true. We're perfected in Christ. The righteousness of Christ is applied to us when we put our faith in Him. You know, Johnny is a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. Every everyone who follows Jesus, we're not perfect overnight. We have a lot of work that He's doing on our hearts. But that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's what He's doing in Johnny as as the Holy Spirit is continually day by day changing Johnny. Um, he's also at the same time using Johnny in his brokenness, in his imperfections, in his sin to continue to minister. God can use any of us. And I, I love that picture Amen. that we have. Just one, one question. I'm curious. So like you talked about like rival um, enemies who um, you might come across on the streets. I mean, uh, you used to be part of the watching. Mm -hmm. um, what's the relationship like now with those guys? Do they see you as a sellout? Do they? Do you still stay connected to them? How do they view your new life? So my homies, right, my yeah. brothers, yeah, um, they still support me, which is crazy. Some of my young homies, my little homies, they call it. Yeah. It's the younger kids, the younger generation. They come to church with me. Wow. Yeah, and it's because when they see me, like I'm not sitting there boasting about the gang stuff. I'm not talking about open cases or closed cases or snitching. All I'm saying is I'm talking about the core of the heart. Mm. And all of my friends from OGs all the way down, we're actually all brothers. You know, I, I call it a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. But they're happy like when I'm happy. You know what I mean? We're, yeah. We have that connection. Yeah. And um, they understand what I'm saying is true because it's the word of God. Although they may not be believers, but they understand because everybody Everybody has that emptiness. Mm. Everybody goes through that void, that insignificant feeling. Yeah. Whether you've been in the prison like me or you're a doctor, a lawyer. I, right. I'm talking to lawyers now, doctors, who are saving people's lives and doing all that, making buku money. But in their hearts, they're empty. You know, so they're just, they just feel like they're existing. So my friends, my brothers, they support me. Yeah. 100%. And recently, I was at my rival's baby shower. Wow. He called me up. He's like, Johnny, I want you to come and, you know, see, see like, you know, bless the, the, the people there, you know what I mean, with your presence. I was like, cool. I'm assuming, this is how much I don't think, there's going to be a couple of them. I go there, there's 200 of them. <laughs> and it's me. Yeah. Solo dolo, right? So I go there, <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, you got to help me, bro. <laughs> like, you got to, you know what I mean? 
But the amazing thing is each and every one of them came up, shook my hand and was like, yo, we respect you, bro. Mm -hmm. You're representing correctly. You know, whatever was in the past, that was just in the past. You know, you've been to prison, you know my homie, this and this and that. And we all like hug it out and we take pictures. And even my friends, now I'm bridging the gap for them. And they're like, yo, let's go eat. So we're planning all to go out and eat, you know, and, and chill. And that's, that's only God. That's nothing I did. Right. Praise God. I, I love that. Um, like what you said, you're just striking a nerve. And we all have this basic human condition. We, you said we're interconnected by our struggle. And at the root of that, at the core of it is our sin. And that's something that. I mean, it's an epidemic. Everybody, everybody's hit by that. And when we're able to just expose that for what it is and then introduce one who can actually save us, then that resonates with, with, with all of us. Amen. So, amen. amen. Hey, what, any, any last words, any um, last things you want to say to um, the church and our friends who are here? Anything sure. you would want to leave them with? Um, I just want to go a little bit in depth of what really changed me. Obviously, it was Jesus Christ. But... The fact that those words that were perfected forever mm -hmm. were already washed. Because perfected is in past tense, which means it's already completed. Mm -hmm. Forever means eternally. You know, a big sinner like me, when God says that you're perfected, it was like gold to me. Like, what? I'm perfect? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I remember my sins. But Hebrews 10, 17 says, and their sins and lawless deeds will I remember no more. God cannot lie. He cannot say, Johnny, I don't remember your sins. But in 2007, though, yeah. he was at the strip club or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he cannot do that. He, he completely doesn't remember why because of Jesus Christ. Right. You know, so a big sinner like me who knew I was going to go to hell, who knew I was going to die I was faced with death, had nowhere else to go, had no hope. That's when that word became my only hope. And that's when I was able to really accept the word of God and move differently. If a person thinks that they're sinners, what do they have to do? They're going to continuously live a sinful life. But when we believe that Jesus Christ has perfected us because he didn't fail, when he came down, he washed all of our sins. It says the sins of the world past, present, future sins, gone. Once we believe that, we start to change. That hope enters inside of our hearts. Yeah. And truly, like, that's how I move. And that's all I preach when I tell the prisoners, you're perfect. You know, you're righteous. What? You don't know me, bro. I'm in here for double murder. That's true. But don't you think even Jesus paid for those sins? And then they're like, oh, that's true. Wow. And they start to change. One by one, Lancaster State Prison. The, the stabbings are going down. There's integrated um, yards now where before snitches and rats and all, they can't be together. They're integrating it. How is that possible? Through the word of God. Amen. Oh. Wow. Preach. This brother can preach, amen? About to take my job. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I don't like it one bit. <laughs> No, thank God for the voice that God has given him to speak so clearly and effectively. Um, if you are here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian, I, I thank God that you are here. And I want to tell you something I believe about our God. He doesn't make mistakes. He is sovereign, and that just simply means he's in control. And you might think you're here because you want to hear from Johnny Chang or 
Maybe you think you're here because a friend or a loved one invited you. Maybe you're watching because you stumbled across this video. I want to say that might be true, but I, I really believe that our God is in control. And above all else, I, I think that God has you here on purpose. There's no mistake in that. I believe our God has been chasing you down with his love, wanting you to know of the love he has over you, compassion he has over your heart and your story. I believe he wants to fill the void in your heart with his presence. I believe he wants to cover your sins with his forgiveness. And that's why the Bible tells us that in John 3.16, you've probably heard this somewhere before, or at least you've seen that word, John 3.16. And it says this, for God so loved the world. It means God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That eternal life that Johnny spoke about. He loves you so much he gave you his son that if you believe in him you will not perish. And John 1 verse 12 tells us to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. That means he wants to be your heavenly father. He wants to have a relationship with you as his sons, as his daughters. He wants to have a relationship with you eternally. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that there's nothing you need to do. It says if you simply confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that, that God raised him from the dead, meaning you believe he rose from the dead. He has the power to give life. Then you will be saved. Simply receive that. You embrace it by faith, believe it in your heart. From this day forward, you just you start walking in relationship with him. The Bible says you have eternal, eternal life. You're saved forever. That's the promise we have, the glorious hope. And so my encouragement to you today is make a commitment of faith. Say from this day forward, I'm going to turn, turn around. I'm going to make a different decision. We call that repentance. I'm going to walk toward Jesus I know I'm not going to be perfect tomorrow or the day after that, but I'm making a decision to walk with God in my life because he has forgiven me, and I'm going to walk into eternity. I want to ask everybody, would you bow your heads with me? Maybe you're at home watching. Would you bow with me as well? And let's just take a moment to pause and just be silent. And if that's you and something you heard today just resonated with you and, and you want to say, you know what, I want to know that I have God in my life. I want to have this void filled. I want to have his presence. I want to have the promise of eternal life. I want to know I'm forgiven and made perfect in the eyes of God. Then you simply just believe. You receive that gift. And so I want to do this. I want to lead you in a prayer. And um, I don't believe a prayer saves you just because you said a prayer. I believe your faith saves you. But a beautiful way you can express that faith is through a prayer. And, and say it sincerely. Express faith. And so I'll, I'll pray a prayer out loud. And I just challenge you, if you want to make this commitment to God today, then just pray in your heart to God as if you're talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. He hears you. He knows you. He knows your name he knew you before you were born. He formed you in the womb. He knows what you've been through. He knows your story, so he hears you. So say something like this to God. Dear God, thank you for letting me know of your deep love for me.
thank you that it's no mistake that I got to hear from you today. I want to make a commitment of faith in this very moment and say, I believe that you love me so much you gave me Jesus. I believe he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave because he has power to give life. And so, Lord, from this day forward, I pray that I would know of your presence in my life, that I would experience your presence day after day forever. Lord, help me to walk with you. And even when it's hard, give me the strength to keep following you. Help me to get to know you more each day because there's a lot I have to learn and understand. But I'll keep looking to you because I have you now in my life. Thank you, Father God. If you pray that, I, I just praise the Lord and I thank you. I thank the Lord for bringing you into his family and for the love he has over you. And so we're going to respond and sing. And so, Father God, I pray that, that as we sing now, we would just pour out our hearts with thankfulness and gladness and joy because you have opened up your arms to us. You've made a way for us to be with you as your sons and your daughters through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your open arms. We worship you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.